Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. What is this? What are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Two things are playing at once in here. The my audio board is falling apart. There's just buttons flying all over the place. Hell of a start to the show here. This is not a good sign of things to come. I can't hear you. I'm joking. I just wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to be so mad. You don't <laughs> do not even know. No one could see my face at that moment, but it was just anger. <sighs> I want to. I mean, I want to have a fun show tonight. Let's do it. But I feel like that's hard right now. That, that weekend sucked. That weekend stunk. At least one. in context of right. Buffalo sports, yeah. I had a great weekend. The weather was well. Was it rainy on Friday? I remember. Forgot what it was, but it was like. Little fall preview mm. this weekend. I was golfing in a hoodie and shorts on Saturday night, living and living the dream with that. S- Saturday was a great porch afternoon. Oh. Just sat there, drank so good water. But if we want to have fun on mo- a Monday night in the August second, weeks away from the beginning of one of the most anticipated Bill seasons ever, certainly of our lifetime. Mm. And I'm just, like, mad. I feel like I'm, I'm not that mad. I'm not getting bogged down in, in the stadium talk as much as a lot of people. And Can't. I'm maybe I am more so in the Eichel shenanigans from the weekend. But I'm not really in the stadium talk. Uh, Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney, 803-0550 is the phone number. I, I do want to do some fun stuff tonight. I want to get into some college football with you. I know that maybe we have... Uh, disputing reports. People are saying now that that rumor that Clemson and Florida State had contact the SEC might not be true, but I still want to play around with that a little bit anyway because Notre Dame was mentioned, and I know you'll probably have thoughts on that. Um, and, you know, again, football season's coming around. I, I want to get into the Bills at wide receivers a little bit, kind of the the bottom of the depth chart when it comes to receiver, but I'd feel feel like we'd be doing it wrong if we didn't at least start. With Austin, Texas, the $1.5 billion taxpayer money uh, report from the weekend. Now, I don't know. Have you chose to let it anger you 
the way you almost made me angry when you said you couldn't hear me at the beginning of the show. Because <laughs> I've just kind of looked at it and been like, I don't even want to deal with this right now. Yeah. And it's probably not anything anyway. Yeah, that's what I'm deciding to look at it as. I'm just deciding to look at it as a negotiation tactic and nothing more. Um, I, I mean, I just, I just can't see it happening. I just can't see this team leaving. Now, the, the one thing is, and, and then all these different reports, you know, the report of Austin City Council not even being aware right. of any interest in the Bills. <laughs> Someone in Austin seasons like, huh? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, but that's not really the point. The point is, like, when a report like that slips out, perhaps it alerts other cities. Maybe the Bills are in play. Maybe we should make a pitch mm-hmm. for the Bills. And... While I am confident that uh, the numerous local officials who've spoken today and state officials who've spoken today basically saying it's a priority for us to keep the bills in Buffalo, I do believe them in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it was still a very jarring report. Right. Well, because right. no, they're going to say that, but of course they will have a vested interest to not let it get anywhere near that point because nobody wants to have their name on that. Right. And I think including the Pagulas. I don't think the Pagulas want their name on that. I didn't think of it this way until Mike said it on the afternoon show today. But, like, do you want your legacy to be the owners that moved the Bills out of Buffalo? Because Art Modell won a Super Bowl in Baltimore. Mm. But when I personally... When the name Art Modell Absolutely. gets yeah. mentioned, the first thing I think of is, oh, that's the guy that moved the Browns out of Cleveland. Yep. And the Browns returned, right. and I still think that. So I just don't think you want that stain. And nobody wants that on their resume. And it, But at the same time, it's just maybe the way I'm geared and the way I've kind of matured as a sport fan where I now very much recognize the business aspect of it. Sure. And I very I recognize that we are incredibly lucky that Buffalo, New York has a National Football League franchise because financially it doesn't really make sense for Mar- the league. In financial market size, there's a whole yes. lot of stuff that goes into it not making sense, you're correct. You you restart the NFL tomorrow? And the Bills aren't even considered. Right. Or Buffalo's not even considered, I don't think. And that is coming at it from the business end of things. But we have the team. And the team among the league is relatively historic. They're not the Packers, but they're not the Jaguars. Right. It's not like you're moving the Jaguars to London. You have a dedicated fan base that is as rowdy as anybody in the league, that cares as much as anybody in the league. And... Because of, but because, let me, before I get down a different rabbit hole, because I recognize the financial end of it, I always have that in the back of my head. Sure. That, like, we don't really, we really shouldn't have this team. Like, that's, oh, like, from the billionaire's perspective, and those are the guys that make the decisions, and that's what scares me, is the money at the end of the day is normally what talks, and the money goes against Buffalo. And maybe that's why the Pagulas felt comfortable, if that report is true, and maybe there's there are conflicting reports since that would ownership sources telling you that that, that was not the number. And I I do want to address the reports as well. I, one thing 
that I think we should keep in mind during this process because we will hear bits of information for a while, right? And we'll we'll find out something new and then something new and some, then something new. Why is it coming out? Yeah. And who gave that information? And that's kind of where I'm at with this. I'm going to relax about it mm-hmm. until I hear something more substantial. We don't know exactly where this information's coming from. So at this point, I'm just, you know, it is what it is. I recognize that Buffalo is not one of the premier markets in the country, and there are probably cities that would be more lucrative from an NFL owner's viewpoint. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. But if the Bills can stay here and the politicians can figure it out without breaking the bank on public funds, really there should be no public funds involved. That might not be realistic, but really there shouldn't be. There should well, there shouldn't be. I don't think, especially if the if the opening bid was one hundred percent, I don't think there's any way that it's going to be zero percent public money. And you know what? I've also come to peace with that. Like I, I recognize that again, we're lucky to have this team, and because I don't even want to play games, I know I am just one out of however many million that have a say in this. That. I don't want to play around with it, and I just want to do whatever I got to do to just make sure I am secured for the long term and that I don't have to think about this for 40 years. Sure. Because that's what a stadium means. I, it's coming up today. Like, we are do, leading off a show about it. As unrealistic as it is, we're leading off a show in the year 2021 about the Bills and the chances that they could leave. That was a show that occurred 10 years ago, 15 years ago, has not really since, and I think the moment that that stadium is being built, then that show goes away for another 40 years, and that's just, I want to make sure we get to that point. I know that we're, we're going to get to that point, but there's always that thought in the back of my head. I wish I did not recognize the business aspect of it as much as I do. I wish it didn't come to my mind as quickly as it does. And it sucks for people of Western New York that this has to come up. Because all it's going to serve to do, especially being out in the media, is anger people. Right. And it, you know, there's a, I don't know. Like My first thought when I saw this report was, other than the initial shock of it, was just like, it's kind of sad that we have to go through this. You know, every time that we near the end of a lease, Anytime there's the discussion about building a new stadium, that we have to go through this as a community who p- does nothing mm-hmm. but support this team and the in both franchises that are here. So it's just uh, it's it's annoying, it's frustrating, it's kind of sad. But at the end of the day, it's business, and I'm still extreme. Obviously, I'm still hopeful. Like I don't think the Bills are going to move, but I think they're going to have a stadium in Orchard Park. Like I said, it's still yeah. jarring nonetheless. We'll move on in a minute, uh, but let's take a call first while we're on the stadium. Uh, 803-0550 is the phone number. Mark and Ken Moore, you're on the nightcap. What's up, Mark? Yeah, hello, guys. You know, as far as this uh, stadium thing, um, you knew it was going to happen sooner or later, that the great debates about a new Buffalo Bills stadium and the billion-dollar-plus price tag for this such a project was going to come. And it's here, and it's going to be here to stay for a while until there's a resolution. Hopefully the right, you know, something that can work. Um, you know, you look at the stadiums that are old, you know, in the NFL, like Green Bay, Lambeau, they put so much into it. 
um, and it's, it has stood the test of time. It's an icon in the NFL. I've, I have a soft spot for our stadium. It's the only stadium I have ever known going to Bills games. And my, I'm in my low, in my in my mid fifties, and I have seen a lot of games in there. And it's just that I think obviously um, it's, it has stood the test of time better than I thought it would. But the fact is, I think in the eyes of the Pagulas and the study is that maybe its staying power in the league is it just doesn't compare to Lambeau Field. Yeah, uh, thanks for the call, Mark. I um, you make a lot of good points. I don't think it's even the Pagulas. I think it's just the owners in general, oh, the NFL owners in yeah. the NFL. Like when the Pagulas came here, that there was a mutual understanding that they knew that the stadium had to be there had to be a new stadium at some point, and I think that there is enormous league pressure for that to eventually happen. And I think that is why we're really going down this process. But again. That is, I mean, that's that's just the way the league works. It's a it's a club full of billionaires, and they're gonna want you to pull your weight. And what helps the Bills pull their weight? They'll never pull their weight the same way some of the big market franchises do. But to help pull their weight, a new stadium with increased revenues, not just through tickets but other other ways, that's going to help them kind of stay on par with some of the other small market teams in the league. And that's just the way it works. And if you want your team, that's the price you got to pay. Yeah. All right. We're going to get to the Colts, too. But while we're – we got a few minutes here. How in on the Eichel stuff from the weekend are you? There was the agent statement, and they also sent uh, – they. I mean, I, I feel like it was pretty calculated that Eichel's agents would have put uh, Eichel's doctor – I had the name in front of me. I got to get back up. Chad Prusewick, I think, is the name or of the of the doctor. Eichel's doctor was on with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. Did you listen to that podcast, by the way? I have not yet. So, I did, and I am I am happy I did because it was really enlightening. About Chad Prusmack is the is the name of the the doctor from Colorado um, who is recommending to Eichel that he get uh, basically. Disc replacement surgery. Yep. Artificial disc replaced. And he went on for like an hour with Merrick and Friedman. And it was just so detailed and it was so specific. And I I don't know. I I felt like I learned so much throughout that hour about the difference between a fusion surgery and an artificial disc replacement surgery that I'm gullible, but it really makes me want to side with Eichel. And it wants me. It, I really want to think that he's being done wrong. Now, the problem with doing that is you are only hearing one side of the story, right? And we probably are only going to hear one side of the story. The way the Sabers operate, hell, during the season, they won't even tell you what specific region of the body someone is injured. <laughs> like they, they'll hardly give you upper body, lower body, let alone specific surgeries and. The outcome that can happen, and like I've got, I've got Prusmac telling me about how fusion surgery—you're really just you're connecting two bones to each other, and that 25% of the time you have to have another one every 10 years, and because Michael's so young, he's going to have additional fusion surgeries, and that's going to affect him later in life. And the artificial disc replacement is not going to affect him later in life. And 
when I'm being told all that, again, without having the other side of the story, because we don't have it and might not get it, it's being verbalized as Eichel wants to have this... It's not even experimental, because as they went through it, this has been around for decades, and hockey players have had it. Not in the NHL, but hockey players have had it. Athletes in the UFC and the NFL have had it. Mm-hmm. So it's not really... I don't like the word experimental. I don't think that's right. I think the only thing you can label it as is never been done an NHL player. But if what this doctor is saying is true, Eichel seems to, it feels like he would want to have the surgery and his doctor would be telling you, telling him, this is the surgery to have because when you're 70 years old and playing with your grandchildren, you're going to be able to move your neck. And if that is the decision he's making behind closed doors, and if that is why... He is, is he creating it? If that is why he is willing to engage in a back and forth with the team over the type of surgery he has, I don't think I could blame him in any way. But again, that was the way it was set up to me, that it was set up in that podcast. And I I guess it would benefit the Sabres to kind of come out and like give their side and their reasoning. Why? But at the same time, I don't think the Sabres want to engage in that back and forth. Sure. And you know, you said it correctly with the, you get one side of it, okay? So you, you're getting one side, and you're getting the doctor who's telling Eichel this is the thing that should be done. But if it's such an obvious choice, then why aren't the Sabres behind it? Why hasn't it happened with other NHL players? You know, there is two sides here, but I am very pro, it's your body, your choice, but I understand there's contractual obligations and wording in contracts that prevent that in this case. If Eichel wants the surgery, I think he should have the right to have the surgery, but I get that the Sabres have a say in that process. And if they're worried, I do want to know why they're worried. I want to know why this hasn't happened to any NHLer before. Yeah. Why do you think that the Sabres, not the Sabres, why do we think Eichel agents made the statement and the doctor came out like why do we think that happened it had to be motivated but do they think they're facilitating a trade by so, doing that i was so confused by the the late night friday yeah. dump why why that why I, I don't i didn't understand the timing of it i don't really i don't get that i'm just i, I was kind of confused think it about helps, the whole thing it doesn't help him get traded i don't think i was trying to figure out like what is the motivation for Peter Fish to release that statement late Friday night. To make the Sabres look bad. I guess. And it does do that. I mean, the, the, the combination of the interview and the statement, I guess, does make it look bad. Because around the league... See, I just don't understand why that matters. Why do you have to make the Sabres look bad? This isn't, I think, this isn't a trade about public support. Well, we know what's right. going to happen. I think maybe it, what it is trying to do is push Kevin Adams to make any deal he's got now. It increases the pressure to, I know you've only got bad offers on the table, go take one, because we're done with this. And if you're not, if you're, if you, Kevin Adams, who said, was it Thursday, that he's in control of this process, if you're going to come out here and say that, and you're not going to trade him, then we're going to make your life difficult. We're going to make it as difficult as possible. And, right, Eichel, I'm imagining, because he loves the fan base here, He's got to know what's going to happen if you do that. And he's choosing, well, if this is my only avenue, I know the fan base will turn against me. But if it's my only route to getting out of here, 
then I got to take it. I just, and I, I, think, I guess I just don't understand why he cares if the fan base turns against him. Well, like, you're I, not I think play here. this is proof that he doesn't care. I mean, he, I mean, he might not be happy that that has to happen, but he knows that that's the only option that he has. That I, and right, the agents wouldn't care about public support either. They would actually maybe think, what's best to get Eichel out of here? Make the fan base turn against him. Because that's going to increase the pressure on Kevin Adams to get him traded. I mean, that's that's the type of mind games I feel like can being played here. I, that could they're that could mind be the games, but I just I don't think they're like substantive mind games. Well, because that what I'm trying to figure out again is why the statement and why the interview, and the ultimate goal here is I think Eichel's representation is using any leverage they possibly can to get him traded, and they realize right now that they're not in control of the process. Kevin Adams is. So they're trying to find avenues to speed that process along. And maybe this is all they got. Maybe all they got is, let's get the doctor out there. Let's let's get everyone mad at Eichel so that Adams feels like he has to trade him because they're going to boo him on opening night. I don't know. See, I don't think... What else do you do? I, I don't think that everyone is mad at Eichel. There Ooh, certainly... Man, I don't know. There, no, there, there certainly are a large number of people in Western New York, Sabres fans, that are mad at Eichel. Fine. But there's also a lot who side with him. He doesn't want to be on a losing team. He wants to get a surgery done. And he's battling right now with an organization. And he's battling with an organization. For a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Eichel still has his supporters. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know. I just I didn't understand that whole process. And at the end of the day, Kevin Adams still has all the control. He has all the control. He can trade him when he wants. You are contractually obligated to play here for several more seasons. I don't see how that helps anything. Let's take some calls on this, and then we'll take a timeout. I want to talk some Colts at some point tonight. Let's go to Jim. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Jim? Uh, so I've been hearing, like, how are you guys doing, by the way? Good. Oh, I'm good, Jim. Um, I'm good. So, I like, I've been listening to, like, like, the instigators, everybody talking about this whole Eichel thing all day long. Like, I haven't heard one point of bringing up, like, how is it any way possible to just, like, basically go to Jack Eichel and say, look, like, uh, look, if you want to get the surgery, okay, just cancel the contract. Like, w- w- like it d- it d- you can get the surgery and do what you want. Well, NHL, NHL contracts are fully guaranteed, so that, that contract is there. Oh, all right. So that so so that's exactly what so that's where the the whole <clears throat> that's where the problem lies and and I've been thinking about that all day because I like trust me like I see where like the Kevin Adams side of it is and then I see the Eichel side of it and if putting myself in Eichel's shoes well I probably want to get the surgery too well yeah I think if again I'm only getting one side of the story but it sounds like he has a lot of good reasons why he should get the artificial displacement and not the fusion. Now, what couldn't it's so tough cuz you don't know what they're thinking and like what their medical team says. We know what one medical team says. I part of me thinks okay, so, just tell him he can get the surgery and see what happens. Okay, so I looked up contract termination cuz I thought it was an interesting idea cuz it's it's happened but like Mike Richards getting caught with illegal drugs at the border. Bad. Is like what it's taken. Sometimes. Right, but th- that would be a violation of contract, right? That would, yes. would lead to the termination. So, so here's here's the answer I got, and this may not be – this is my first look at it. 
Contracts can be terminated if both the player and team mutually decides on a termination and the player clears waivers. Okay. The thing there, though, is the Sabres would not want to terminate the contract because they... You're, you want to get something for him. You, yes, you don't want to lose him for nothing. We're worried about a bad Eichel trade. Nothing is a bad Eichel trade. Um, but okay, I didn't know that was possible that you could even get out of that if both sides agreed to it. But that's good to know. A um, couple more calls, and we'll take a break. Let's go to Vince. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Vince? Hey, uh, I just wanted to comment on the stadium situation, if I could. Yep, um, go for it. You know, I was I was at the first game of this stadium at the time, Rich Stadium, um, and I know that the stadium has been renovated three or four times. M- most recently, three years ago, when the state – uh, renovated it to the tune of $130 million, uh, which is not chump change. The last time I was in the stadium was for the U2 con- concert. It was gorgeous. It, they did a wonderful job, beautiful job with that stadium. Does this stadium need to be demoed and a new one built? Absolutely not. The only person who's pushing for this is Jerry Jones and the rest of the billionaire class in the South who want uh, expensive, extra, ultra luxurious boxes and Morton steakhouses on every level. Nobody in Buffalo wants to see a new stadium. It's just, it's, you know what it is? It's just a crock. It really is. And the idea that they're going to move you to Austin is just pure baloney. I mean, it's all negotiating uh, tactics here. There's no need for a new stadium. That stadium is perfectly serviceable. Thanks for the call, Vince. I mean, I hear you. I don't want a new stadium. I agree with everything that he said, but I think at the end of the day, you're getting one. <laughs> I think that the NFL, you, we might not, in Western New York, Bills fans may not deem a new stadium as necessary, but I think the NFL does. By the way, I looked up revenue by team in the NFL. I got These are numbers from 2019, so they're, well, I guess you don't want last year anyway. because It wouldn't make sense, yeah. So the last real NFL season. The Bills had $413 million of revenue. That was fifth from the bottom. The Lions are lower. The Bengals are lower. The Chargers are lower. The Raiders are lower. Hmm. $411 million, $413 million. And second is the Patriots at $630 million. So the percentage difference is not as large as I thought. Because like, you hear about that in the NHL a lot, right? You'll hear like, 90% of the revenue is from five teams. Like, it's drastic right. in the NHL. Yeah. But from what I'm looking at, the difference in the NFL is not as bad as I thought. I mean, you are, what, you're 20% lower than second in the league? The Cowboys are first, by the way. The reason I'm not mentioning them is they're 980, 980 million. So they're well above everybody else, which is why Jerry Jones has a lot of power in the league because he is – over $300 million more in revenue per year than anybody else. Who's number two? The Patriots. Patriots, that's what I would have Then the Giants, guessed. then the Texans, weirdly. It's kind of odd. It's a massive city. Houston, right. Houston's it's just a city. massive city. Uh, one more call, then we'll take a break. We were talking Eichel, little stadium, too, then we'll get to some fun stuff. Next, Scott, you're on the nightcap. What's up, Scott? Scott is in a fighter jet <laughs> right now. We'll take a timeout here. Are the Colts shot without Carson Wentz? Five to 12 weeks, by the way. Very odd timeline. We'll go through Indianapolis. And uh, also, there were some rumors about college football realigning again today, and I want to go through that with Brendan at some point. Tonight on the Nightcap, Joe DiBiase, Brendan Keeney, this is WGR. 
we are committed to keeping the Buffalo Bills in the city of Buffalo. Stop, period, that's it, we are committed. And we are in negotiations and conversations right now and we're learning the full scale of what they're proposing. This is going to be a conversation that'll be ongoing, I assure everyone, but uh, it's of utmost importance to our administration and particularly to the Lieutenant Governor, who is a huge <laughs> Buffalo Bills fan. Lieutenant Governor of New York State, Kathy Hochul. You can check that out in full. Comments and such at WGR550.com. Uh, we talked a little stadium in the last segment. Also today in the news, Carson Wentz is going to miss 5 to 12 weeks with foot surgery. A very wide time frame. They, yeah. The Bills game with the Colts does not fall in to that time span. But, I mean, half their season does. He could be back week one. Their opener against Seattle six weeks from yesterday. So he could play week one, but that guy has had injury problems his whole career. So I can't believe you'd want to rush him back. I don't know. Maybe he's back week three or four. Is that what's likeliest at this point? Seems like right smack dab in the middle. But it makes you wonder where the Colts are now in the picture of the AFC. And because I don't trust at all what they have behind him, and it doesn't sound like they have any interest in making a trade at the moment. I didn't trust him, period, first. Wentz? Yeah. Me neither. I trust him more than Jacob Eason, though. Sure. I don't think they're a playoff team. Without Wentz, certainly not. I didn't even. I wasn't even sold on them being one. The, the only saving grace they had was that they were in such a bad division. But I wasn't sold on them being a playoff team without Wentz. And add in the fact that they have an absolute gauntlet of a schedule to start the season. Seahawks, Rams, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens. Brutal. If Jacob Beeson's your quarterback for all five of those games. So in five. And you're 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 toast. I don't care how good you are with Carson Wentz. Like you're not going eleven and one to make the playoffs in a tough AFC. I think a good record with Carson Wentz, I think a record indie fans would take would be two and three through that stretch. I think, I think you you'd take that. Pray for two and three. Right. You basically you just want to hang on and stay five hundred through that stretch. I agree. And now they don't have Wentz? Eason is a little interesting to me because he's kind of that in that mold of the big armed quarterback that can make every throw. Like, he's got a cannon, but he's so unpolished, and he does not have the athleticism that the guys that go in the first round typically do, even guys like Zach Wilson. He doesn't even compare to that. So I don't think it's going to go well at all. I like their offensive line. I like their running game. I like their roster. I like their roster, right. But you got a tough schedule and a bad quarterback, that's 0-5, just like that. Or if it's not, it's 1-4. Right. And Maybe even you two squeak and three, out one. If it's 2-3, and three, I have a hard time getting into the postseason. Because then you've got 12 games left. What, what does Carson Wentz have to do in 12 games? And that's if he returned after that. Remember, they have four games against the Jags and Texans. They do, and they would all fall after that. Sure. But you've got no margin for error right. at that point. Now, their last saving grace that I'll mention here is I think that division stinks. I right. mean, everybody knows it stinks. I don't like the teams at the top even. That's what I'm saying. So my one saving grace for that, if I'm the Colts, is, all right, I can even go 1-4 and four at the beginning. I could have a 9-8 and eight record, and that's not going to be good enough for a wild card spot, but maybe I win the AFC South with 9-8. and eight. I still think I don't understand why people don't like Tennessee this year. I don't like I don't understand it. So for me, I don't think they have that much talent on defense. They rely heavily 
on a running back that just had one of the biggest workloads we've seen in a year, in decades. And there's going to be regression. I think the stat is that no running back has ever had 400 touches in a season, and his efficiency went up the next year since Eric Dickerson in the 80s. It's been 30 years since you got that workload and you came back just as good, if not better, the next year. He's going to have some regression. Now, the question will be, how much will there be? And will his body hold up? He's probably more likely than a lot of running backs because of the way he's built. And that he also does not rely solely on his elusiveness, his quickness. Guys like Ezekiel Elliott might be phased out of the sport really quickly. That's a bad example to use. Le'Veon Bell's the example to use. Todd Gurley. Those guys lost their elusiveness. They're out. Just like that. They're not even in the league right now. Henry, I think, even if that goes a little bit at some point, and it might not be this year, but at some point, I think it's going to blow up in their face that they have an offense built around handing the ball off to a running back 400 times. I don't think it has to be built around that, though. I think Tannehill's proved to be an efficient quarterback, and they have enough weapons on offense to make that passing offense go. Now, I've loved Tannehill the last two years, but my wonder will be if they go to a pass-heavy offense at some point, if they go to a higher-volume pass offense, they'll never go to a pass-heavy. Right. Can he still be as efficient? He's been the most efficient quarterback in the league other than Mahomes. And when teams aren't stacking the box to stop Derrick Henry, can you still produce at that level? Now, I... I would guess he can, given his receivers are A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. But I don't and know Reynolds. that. And Reynolds. I like Reynolds a lot, too. But I don't know that. I, there's a lot of question marks with Tennessee. They could be very good, yes. But I don't think they have to be. I don't even think they have to be very good. They can just be a solid team and win the AFC South. I like think 9 or 10 could do it. I, to, to me, they look like, I would say, an eleven and si- uh, a 10 and 7 or an 11 and 6 team. That's how I view Tennessee. And people have been you know, down on Tennessee, up on Indianapolis. I don't get that dynamic because even with Carson Wentz, I, I, he's not been good in a while. I think the Colts' roster on the overall is better. The defense, I think, is maybe even a lot better, and the offensive line is a lot better. But skill position wise, give me skill, you know, skill position. Tennessee yeah. does does beat them pretty handily. Yeah, um, and maybe the Frank Reich. I would much rather have be my head coach than Mike Vrabel. And mm-hmm. the Titans did lose Arthur Smith, but I don't. I just don't see Tennessee's offense falling enough to be as bad as people are expecting it to, ha- to them to be. I don't I don't I just haven't gotten that that whole off-season storyline about Tennessee. I just haven't understood it. So in your mind, I would imagine that almost all these divisions are pretty easy to call in the AFC. Cuz yeah. the Titans got to be the pick right now, even for me. I the, don't like them, the but AFC I, they have North to be the is pick. tough for me. The AFC, AFC North's, North's the tough. only one that's tough, though, because mm-hmm. the AFC East is definitely going to the Bills, unless something drastic happens, and the Chiefs in the AFC West. Sure. So, yeah, the North is really where it's at. And I've thought of that as a two-horse race all offseason. That's how I view the North as well. I think Pittsburgh will still get their wins and be a solid-ish team. I don't. Th- it's not like I think they're going to be drastically under 500 or anything, but I, I think they're going to be about 500. And I know you can't go 500 anymore, but mm-hmm. you get my point. Like I, I think that's going to be about their ceiling, especially – now that they have you know, the, the Browns and the Ravens to deal with. And I don't think that the Bengals are going to be an easy out. 
I still think they're going to be the worst team in that division, but I don't think they're going to be an easy out. They're not a give me two wins like mm-hmm. they are every year. I'm looking at playoff odds right now. I'm trying to like figure out if if the Colts drop out of the playoff mix. That's three teams in the AFC South that are just like not even in it. If the Colts were to have an awful start like we were talking about. And then you're I mean, you might be looking at a very easy path for the second place AFC East team to get in. Mm. Cuz I think second in the AFC North is going to be in. For yep. sure. So I've got two other wild card spots. I also think the Chargers are going to be in. Yeah, the Chargers, I agree. And, like, the Raiders? No. The Steelers or the Bengals we mentioned. Like, new. I think it would be likely at this point that Miami or New England gets in. I agree. And I think they'd I, be favored. I, and I like Miami. If you, were to, if you could bet on one of the two to make the playoffs, like, you would win that bet. I think you would probably win that bet. Um, you would bet on Miami? I would bet on Miami. I would bet on New England at this point. People, by the way, misunderstood my Jets tweet from earlier. Uh, I, I, I needed to add the term long-term in there. I do not believe the Jets are the Bills' biggest threat in the AFC East <laughs> this year, just so everybody knows. And also, that tweet was directly referring to the Zach Wilson, Zach and, Elijah Wilson Moore. and Elijah Moore. Yeah. I think those two could be a special connection for a long time. Um, but not this year. Not this year. 803-0550 is the phone number. A little college football when we come back. Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney on WGR. Very fortunate to get them where we got them. You know, he'll continue to get better and better. I have a lot of confidence in him. Can play all the spots. You know, he's one of the guys that Steph gets a down day or something, and you're always like, "All right, Gabe, get in there." And he, you know, you don't even tell him where he's at. He just goes in and knows and have a lot of confidence in him. And you know, we're fortunate to get him there in the fourth round. Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable on Gabriel Davis. Got a minute or two here. There was a rumor report earlier today from a. ESPN affiliate guy in I think it was South Carolina that Clemson and Florida State had reached out to the SEC about potentially joining the conference. It was worded in such though that they would be coming in instead of Oklahoma or Texas because the second part of the tweet was the SEC is worried that Florida State Clemson don't have the same streaming capabilities uh, and views as Oklahoma and Texas would and then his third part was Notre Dame is the only team that could add to the mix at this point. That has kind of been squashed since. But it was fun to imagine at the at, at, at the outset. And I think we're only headed to more stories Massive like realignment. Massive realignment. I, th- the I think Big 12 is s- probably going to dissolve probably. at some point soon. What we saw almost happen in European soccer this past spring with the almost creation of a Super League, I think college football is... Like that is the sport where that's going to eventually happen. Eh, I think I, I these programs with you. realize that they're. I disagree. I think these programs are going to get together and realize, hey, we are on another level than everybody here. Like I we'll just, make more money. But I don't think that they will necessarily. And there's still there's still not great programs in the SEC. And the Big Ten is still the money maker. The Big Ten still makes more money than the SEC. It's not like the SEC has some stranglehold on revenue in NCAA football. They, the Big Ten is still, still exists, and if the Big Ten were to get creative and add in some other programs that really don't belong in their current conferences, I'm looking at USC in the Pac-12. There was an article that came out by CBS Sports where it offered the idea, why doesn't the Big Ten get creative, get out in front of this, and try to do what the SEC is doing, 
uh, and that's bring in some of these programs. We're at the point where we don't really care about geography anymore when it comes to these conferences. So if you can get a team like USC into your conference, maybe someone else. But Notre Dame, like, they have to be looking at all this and thinking to themselves, they're thrilled that they're still an independent. Why would they bother getting into a conference with all of this conference instability? I think that's right. I did see, though, oh, who was I reading? It's gonna really. It's gonna kill me who it, who it was now. Um, someone was making an argument that Notre Dame will pick their, should pick their spot though at some point. That they'll with some of the new TV deals coming mm. in that they could actually benefit from joining a conference, uh, especially if they weigh it weight it towards them. But makes no sense right now. The part of part of the article was I think what you're saying now. Like now is not the time to do it. But once. Things maybe get settled down a little bit, right? And I, because I, I feel like even if they don't go all the way in Super League, you're still going to see Super Conferences. Like you're going to get oh, you already have some portion is, of it. Let's be honest, the SEC really right. already is a Super Conference, and adding yeah. Oklahoma and Texas just adds to that. And I just think like at some point you're going to want to grab more. Like maybe not them, but maybe the Big Ten will want to grab more. Like hey, at some point I also think they're just going to throw re- their ge- ge- geography out the window. I, that's what I'm saying. I think the Big Ten should just look at yeah. USC. I, I love that. That bring in point. USC and Oregon or something like that. Right. I that I kind of want that to happen. I I was arguing with my buddy earlier on Twitter about just creating a Super League now, and I I had fun just building it, like picking 30 teams. I would want a formula where people can get in. It's not closed off to everybody else. But I for me, it's always been I just want the good teams playing the good teams. I don't want Citadel anymore. It'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, what I think is probably inevitable playoff expansion. So Mm -hmm. what happens there, how many teams get in, and how many smaller conferences think that they can benefit from playoff expansion. Like, if you look at the AAC right now Mm -hmm. and take Texas and Oklahoma out of the Big 12, the AAC is a Big 4 conference. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.